I mean, the reason people do it is because then we know if it didn't record. Like that one time? <laughs> like that one time. All right. All right. Welcome to the show, everyone. That was fun. <laughs> Take us off, Kenny. All right. Welcome back. This is actually round two. So, fun little backstory. We tried to record an episode of this podcast before, and I didn't record my microphone. So, here we are again. Wonk, wonk. Wah, wah, wah. Trying it again. <laughs> this is episode zero. I'm Kenneth Keeler, and we have... I'm Jerry White. Boom. Uh, and welcome. Thanks for coming out. Yeah, welcome back. So, we talked about a lot of great stuff last time that didn't get recorded. You know, the fun part is we have your audio, but not mine. <laughs> so, we could yeah. make a hodgepodge podcast, but I think we should just... My, my mother-in-law afterwards, I came out, like, uh, so, like a little backstory. I was, I, was, I was up visiting family, so went into, like, the, you know, my, my wife's grandparents' office recorded the show everything was great we had a great conversation i came out and i was like uh we didn't get <laughs> we didn't record the other side of the audio which is kind of funny and my mother-in-law was like well could he like like what's that thing where they re-record it and i was like adr and i was like no we're not gonna adr an hour of a podcast we'll just, just re-record <laughs> i, I <laughs> did have your end of the the actual podcast so i could have just be gone back and responded which would have been very awkward but here and we maybe are that's the, maybe that's the podcast it's like we just delete one of our audios and then adr and on top of it and just whatever conversation See happens, what happens. Uh, i think that would be a bad one but i think what we talked about right before we started recording this again is like just leaning into the fact that we we messed up and the whole idea of this podcast is um is to talk about you know art and the process and um it's not always about that end result and because uh, i think 90 percent of people would have just been like all right maybe podcast this we shouldn't do this like, right that was like the that was the energy in the world telling us you know like uh we shouldn't do this. We should just stop. And, and you this, know, and both of us just kind of laughed, and we're just like, ah. I mean, we would have hung out and talked anyway, you know. So, so it is what it is. Exactly. And and that's a great segue to give some backstory of this podcast. Since I moved to New York City, I used to live in Los Angeles. Jerry and I have been great friends for over a decade now. Probably and, ten years. Yeah. Yeah. And when I moved here, then the pandemic happened, and we were like, well, how do we hang out? So we started having these video calls on discord and cut to today we decided to turn this into a podcast where we just do the normal thing we do which was talk about art and our process and the experiences and get vulnerable and the only difference is now we'll also eventually have guests that come on and talk to us about specific topics so it'll be a mix of just jerry and i talking about awesome things and then bringing in guests so that's basically how the podcast was born yeah, I know we wanted to really talk about, you know, I think it was like kind of like almost like a counter offering to the social media aspect of it's like if you don't have this perfect camera, if you don't have this perfect mic, if you don't have this perfect light, if you don't have this mm -hmm. perfect whatever. Um, and so, you know, that was something that I think I brought up a lot that was just like, ah, I would love to as a teacher do more educational stuff, but I can't. I can't talk myself into doing it that way. I just don't think that's really important to the process. Um, you do need a camera. You do sure. need all these things. But um, I, I think the story is more important. And, and sometimes just making it, that was, you, it's not really about the showing of it. Sometimes it's like, I need to make this because I need to get it out of me. And, uh, and I need you know, it to be uh, out there in the world. So Absolutely. And I think that's, uh, you know, as you go through an art form, no matter what it is, whether it's painting, photography, film, you name it, I think every community has its rules. Uh, and I think, unfortunately, sometimes those rules limit 
the art form because people are afraid to try something new, be vulnerable and put themselves out there. Sure. You need a paintbrush to paint, but does it have to be an actual paintbrush? Could it be, Ooh, I like you know that. what I'm saying? Like, yeah, yeah. yeah, there's certain tools that every art form needs, but I think it's unfair to say that you have to have X, Y, and Z. Because then, you know, one person yeah. uses this and they get a different result. You use that and you get a different result. And then art is born and it's all subjective. And there's I no right or wrong answer. I use that exact analogy that you're saying about the painting. Uh, on the last short film I directed, last mm, last November I directed a short film. And uh, to this day, we still don't know what happened to the sound guy, the sound person. Uh, they just didn't show up. Um, and uh, uh, hopefully nobody... Yeah, I, I hope they're okay. Godspeed, God mystery sound guy. We hope you're at, all right at, out there. At the, that, was, that was the first thing. Uh, you know, we had a guy's name on the call sheet, tried to call the number, never, still to this day, don't know. I mean, I was just a director. I, I, didn't, I didn't hire anybody, so I don't know what happened. But I remember the, uh, the lead actor, you know, like this is like a 4.30 a.m. call. We got like a restaurant that, you know, let us in early, you know, was a friend of a friend thing. And uh, when we got there and there was no sound person, the, 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 the lead actor was just like, what, well, what are we going to do? And I was like, well, uh, you know, we're going we're gonna to paint without paints, I guess. And I just walked away and I was like, well, I, I mean, I could get a bad attitude about it. That's not going to change anything. Who am I going to yell at? The people that showed up at 4.30 in the morning on time? <laughs> That'd be right. the wrong people to be yelling at. <laughs> You're here. True. <laughs> Why would I yell at you? Uh, and so, but yeah, we just, we ended up doing it and then... Um, uh, and then we'd recorded like a bunch of wild lines and stuff. And then, uh, oddly enough, didn't even use it in the short film. It wasn't even needed. So it was like, it all turned out to be okay. But yeah, it's just, uh, I think that's interesting. You bring it up. We're told all these rules We're told all these things that we can't do. Um, and you know, maybe if you don't know those rules to start with, you might try something a little wild, a little different. And, um, and so I know that's what, like, I try not to add a whole bunch of rules whenever I'm teaching because I, I think it starts to limit them before they've even tried it. And it's like, yeah, just make the mistake. You're going to find out if you like it or not. Um, and then yeah. if you don't like it, well, why didn't you like it? And then we can kind of move. Yeah. On. Does it work or not? But I want to pause us here because we're about to dive into some good stuff. That's probably yeah. going to be topic number one. But I think we should go back a little bit and give everyone some backstory on who we Agreed. are. Agreed. So you go first. Jerry J. Oh, okay. White. Where are you from? Uh, what do you do? Yeah. Who are you? Uh, Yes, yeah. So, um, like I said, uh, the full name's Jerry J. White III. If you've seen any of the films, that'll be what's on there. But uh, we, uh, yeah, so I moved out to L.A. in 2010 from Kansas City, Missouri. Uh, graduated college, took like six months off, sold everything, and, uh, and got in the car and came out. And, uh, yeah, now I've been here uh, 13 years. It was 13 years in June. So, um, but uh, came out here basically with the goal in mind. I wanted to be a director. Um, and uh, didn't know what that really meant or how I was going to obtain that. I, I knew like maybe two or three people that I'd met back in Kansas City on a, a film I did right out of college where I was like the first AC. And uh, yeah, so they helped me get an apartment um, and all that kind of stuff out here. And uh, yeah, when I got out here, I basically just started like kind of scrounging through uh, Craigslist and trying to find jobs. And, you know, I think at that time, like Production Hub was a thing. There was a bunch of a Mandy uh I don't remember all the names of all the stuff. Most of the work, though, came through Craigslist. You know, I'd get like a $75 job or something. Um, well, I did we whole, all love those. I did a whole feature for like 12 days that was traveling around Southern California for $50 a day, you know. Uh, and, and we'll talk about that at some point, about the, the pay and, you know, when it's for you and when it's for somebody else. It's like, I need an experience. Mm -hmm. uh, and so, you know, the fact that somebody was paying any money 
you know, I weighed the pros and cons and I, I, I accepted that. So um, I didn't accept all of them. <laughs> but uh, yeah. yeah, so uh, then um, it, it was going pretty slow. I basically gave myself a five-year timeline. I said in five years, if I'm not making films full-time, if I'm not like, you know, able to put like filmmaker or director or any of that on, you know, a tax return, then I got to figure out something, you know, I'm not going to, I didn't want to be the starving artist. Uh, I didn't want to be, um, you know, I was all right with being a struggling artist, but I, I needed to be able to survive. And, sure. um, and any of you, you know, I'm in LA, Kenny, you're in New York. It's expensive. Um, you just can't, um, you know, you, you can find other ways to make it by, and we'll talk about that at one point. You know, we have a whole episode. We're going to talk about, you know, how to fund your art and, mm-hmm. and when it, when you got to like, kind of like swallow your pride and go, ah, maybe I got to work at a coffee shop. Maybe I got to wait some tables. Maybe I need to drive over, um, and, and to get through it. But, uh, so mine at that time was before all those, you know, 2010 Uber wasn't a thing. All those delivery things weren't a thing. So uh, I got a job at a uh, rental house in Los Angeles. That's where I met Kenny. Um, and we Good built a wooden nickel. <laughs> the wooden nickel. Hi, Brian. And so we, uh, <laughs> and, uh, so we, we met there. Um, and, uh, yeah, I mean, oddly enough, everybody that's working at a rental house in Los Angeles, what do they all want to do? They want to make movies. <laughs> Absolutely. So, uh, so we're all working there. And so, you know, three or four of us, we got together and we started making movies together. We, we made, a, uh, we made a web series and then we made, um, you know, we made some short films and things like that. And then, um, uh, I, I actually got fired from that job, uh, which was the best thing that could have happened. I, cause right after that I went on to features and basically I was able to start going cause I'd made it, met enough people through that job that once, uh, you know, just from like helping them check out equipment and stuff. And so, uh, once I got, uh, fired from there, I, I stepped onto a feature, you know, that was like, I think that one was like five or $6 million, which is the biggest movie I'd ever been on. Was that um, the canyons? No, that one was called Christmas in Compton. Oh, that's uh, a and cl- I stepped on a as classic. a grip. Yeah. I stepped on as a grip. Um, it was, uh, yeah. Omar Gooding Jr. Uh, Eric nice. Roberts. Um, it was a, it was a great experience. I met a lot of cool people on it and, uh, started out as a grip and then whenever the dolly grip wasn't there i would step in as the dolly grip and then i realized i kind of liked that um it it allowed me to be part of the creative process you know of like actually deciding how fast the camera was moving and stuff like i felt like i was part of the story which was pretty cool and uh then i got a little bored with the gripping and then uh, those same crew they were like oh do you want to do you want to try electric today and I did that and was just like, oh, this is, I like this a lot better. I liked, I liked running cables. I liked the math. I loved the problem solving. Um, and it always seemed like you were moving uh, as an electrician. <laughs> it's like you were never sitting still. Uh, and so I, I really liked that. Um, now, do you and... feel like the journey took you that realm or did you have a plan to go that route? Did you just no, go for never. a ride? I never thought that on my IMDb there'd be, you know, like a dozen features where I was like a gaffer and okay. best boy electric. No, I, I didn't even know what it was. Right. Um, like when I got the, uh, you know, like when I switched to electric and then I started gaffing and started gaffing commercials and was just like, uh, just somebody believed in me, you know, and, and, and gave me that chance. Um, uh, yeah. So well, we both know him team. So yep. team gave me like team I, I met him, met him through another person. And, uh, and then I worked with team for, ooh, I mean, until I started teaching full time four years ago. So yeah. basically I gaffed his trucks. He was an owner operator and I did, you know, hundreds of commercials and never once in my wildest dreams thought I was going to 
go that path. Like I came out here to be a director, but in the process of doing that, I met a lot of cool people, a lot of people that wanted to make movies, uh, a lot of, you know, electricians and grips and stuff. They're like, Oh, I want to be a production designer. I want to be a cinematographer. And it's like, well, I'm about to make a feature, you know, for $20,000. You want to shoot it? Uh, and they're like, yeah. And it's like, so it was all those little things. And we just started leveraging our, our powers and then yeah. having friends that had equipment and stuff and find your team early together. Yeah. And so I was able to really get it together. And, um, so yeah, I just I don't think I ever thought that you know that was even a path. Um, never never thought about how to get down that path. Um, and I know one of the things we talked about last time was that um, you know it was the fact that we were able to you know whenever those doors open and stuff like that, you got to be receptive to it and 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 take the chance. And um, and so that's uh, yeah, those were kind of the things. And in that process, I made you know three feature films while I was gaffing commercials. So being able to just gaff, you know, like five, six, seven days a month as opposed to on a feature where you're on it for 30 or 60 days. Mm-hmm. Um, then I was able to, uh, yeah, to basically go through all that and um, and make it to where I'm at. And then uh, about four years ago, well, the start of the pandemic, so three, three and a half years ago, um, I got a call uh, for a possible teaching job to teach film and photography at a high school. And uh, I took it. I took it the Monday uh, before we all went online, and then I taught online in this office for a year and a half. Uh, it was and, a pretty uh, big transition. And, yeah, and now in the fall, I'm I'm starting a program out of school that doesn't have one. So um, it's uh, it's been a wild, like yeah. There's no way I would have ever thought this was how the 13 years would have went, you know. It's kind of cool. Like your story is awesome. I mean, we have a lot of similarities within reason, but your story is awesome because there is a level of your journey. Like we all have, you know, our dreams and goals we want to achieve. Right. But then I feel like there's a level of decisions that we consciously make to get to those next steps. And then there's an aspect of this world's just art related, not even film industry that you just kind of have to let happen and be open to here's a fork in the road. Maybe I go down this unknown and see what happens. Um, even if it seems kind of off the path of where you think, uh, and I think that's where like it put you in a cool spot. Cause like if you would have, if I would have talked to you six years ago, I don't think you would have been like, yeah, I'm going to be a teacher and teach film at, at, you know, I think I had voiced it to you and others at some point, you know, um, uh, because like, I, I mean, I, I mean, for good or bad, I mean, it just is what it is. Like I have a, a, like a lot of information in my head about stuff that usually doesn't get applied to movies. And, um, right. I just, I'm, I'm like kind of a sponge for knowledge. I, I love to learn stuff, even ridiculous stuff. Like last night I watched a video on, you know, like how peanuts were cultivated and stuff. And you're just like, like, I like to know how things are made. Absolutely. Um, and, if, and if you ask my dad, it's like, I was like, I like to take stuff apart. I love to put it back together. I love to know how the world works. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, and teaching is just that. And the things that I've learned through teaching, you know, I've learned more about myself as an artist through teaching. Um, that has put me, you know, to here, to have this conversation with you of just like, I, I realized through teaching that um, I really didn't care about the technology as much as, the industry did. Um, I cared more about the storytelling. I cared more about the way, you know, a group of people comes together to create something out of thin air, which is a movie. It's like we have a piece of paper and then we're all going to make this come to life, mm-hmm. which is just insane that you can talk that many people into an abstract idea and then everybody sees it on camera and goes, holy crap, that's what, yeah, that's what it was. Like, that's cool. And so, 
I just realized that, you know, through the teaching over the last four years that it's, um, yeah, we, we, I think we just need more talk and we need more information around the fact that, you know, it doesn't matter how good something is sometimes, as long as it still has a purpose and, and those people that made it had a conscious decision behind it to go, this is what we're trying to do. You know, it may not work and that's fine because the process was just as important and that's why we're doing this podcast. You know, like, uh, we did record the first one. We didn't stop. We're going to do it again. We're going to yeah. try, um, and get back, and, back and, up and go again. Yeah. And it's like, I, I'm assuming it's going to be better this time because we already had a bad version of it. Right. Uh, and so, but you, we just have to, I think we have to just enjoy the process and like anything, um, you know, when we talk about money and we talk about the mental health and we talk about all those things in future episodes that we've talked about um, wanting to do, it's just like if you are so hard on yourself all the time and, and you have to make money, that's without a doubt. You have to survive. Right. Um, Unfortunately, this world what, doesn't let you just live yeah, if, it's like there's know, not a lot without of paying for stuff. Free places, um, except for like the library, which is wonderful. Uh, but uh, so, yeah, you just have to have, you have to be open to all those things that are going to come and you really can't dictate the path. Uh, I mean, um, like, you know, yeah. Do I want to be a director? Yes. But now I've realized what I really want to be is like, you know, and I, and I changed it this like a couple months ago on like my email signature and stuff or even my business. It says film artist and educator. Now it's like, yeah, I want to be a director. I am a director. I've directed three feature films and dozens of shorts and a ton of stuff. But what I realized I really want to do is use this medium as an art form. Like I want to use it as an expression of myself. I want to teach kids how to do that. I want to, you know, that they can express themselves just like they would with a paintbrush or, you know, a stick that has paint on it. Like you were saying, it's like, it doesn't, it's like they're like at this point, the rules are in there. We know what works and doesn't work. But you know, if you put together two things that don't work, I don't know. It might work. It might be cool. And if you wanted to make people feel uncomfortable, congratulations. You made me feel uncomfortable. Why does that paint stroke look like that? And you're like, ah, because I used a stick. And you're like, ah, yeah, that's why it feels weird. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. so you just have to, you have to be prepared to explore and experiment. And, and that's been what most of my last three years has been. And I realized it was just like that was what I was missing. I was missing that exploration phase. I had been working as a gaffer where, I mean – you, I mean, you know, and yeah. like as a ga- as a gaffer on commercials, it's I, it was it was almost paint by numbers. I didn't even have to talk to people. I knew exactly how they wanted the interview lit. It's like you know they would send one frame sample and be like, "This is what we want it to look like," and you're like, "Okay, it's just like it's a book light. It's like this. It's this. It's this." And it's like I could just come in with my eyes closed, and I was like, you know, what would happen if we used the light straight on and just put really heavy diffusion? Would that get the same thing as a book light? I don't know because we've never got to try it because nobody wants to like. On a commercial, you can't really experiment. Sure. It's like we, we have to know, like, I know these things are going to work. We have 10 hours. This is not the job to do it. So I wanted to start making more opportunities to be able to experiment. And um, do and stuff we, for yourself instead of making content yeah. for others, you know, which yeah, is a big and, choice. And I realized, you know, like, I mean, when you're on set, um, I think because that's our dream is we all want to be on set. But when you're making movies, you know, I've made three feature films. I've been on set for about 35 days. It's taken eight years. You know, it's not, it's so much more time not making the movie than making the movie. And so mm-hmm. you really have to be able to in, enjoy that part of it too. But, uh, absolutely. But yeah. In a nutshell, um, Midwestern boy moved out here. Um, and yeah, it's, uh, it's worked. 
Um, Which is great. It's it's not always been pretty, but it but it's worked. Um, but I really had to be. Uh, I can't emphasize it enough. That I really had to be open to a lot of things that I never thought were part of the journey. And if I wouldn't have said yes to some of those things, some of those free jobs, some of those things that seemed a little like, why am I doing this? Uh, like, because those things led to something else. It led to something else. To something else. To something else. And it's like, oh, like I remember, you know, meeting an actor probably eight or nine years ago, we never worked together. And then, you know, seven years later, I got a call and she was like, oh, I'm doing these actor reels. Do you want to direct them? And I did that for like six months. And it was just like, but it was a seven year gap. Um, and that's just like wild that, you know, we stayed in touch and all that kind of right. stuff. But it was just um, that coffee meeting with a friend one time. Uh, it just, it's not today. Like you're planting all these seeds. And I think if you can learn that in your 20s, Ooh, it makes it a lot easier because I think, I mean, you could probably echo on it too, that yeah. you just like, you always want to speed it up. Well, it's hard to be self-aware of those things until you start getting older and having experience. But mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, like, again, we have similar journeys, but also drastically different journeys in, in a way. It's like, this yeah, is just your, your my, turn. yeah, like, yeah. How'd, how'd you, how'd you get to New York? Like, I mean, yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. a lot of, a <laughs> lot of random events. I mean, yeah. First off, like I feel I'll dive into, you know, my, a little bit of my backstory, but it's like for myself, it seemed like you were very open to letting things happen where in my earlier years in this career, I tried so hard to have control. And I'm not saying I didn't let things happen and let those journeys take me to where I am today. I mean, that's what why I'm here, obviously. But I do think there's maybe some journey or some roads I was closed off to because I tried too hard to focus in on something instead of just explore uh, and be more open. Mm. Uh, but so anywho, I am a, a little boy that grew up in Reno, Nevada. So I moved a lot when I was a young kid. And so, um, you know, Reno's where my formative years came from. But I really got into film in the action sports world because out there, that's mainly what you do growing up. It's like you ride bikes, you swim in the river, you go to the lakes, you snowboard, you know. I grew up racing dirt bikes, uh, even got to a point of being like semi-professional. And so I was around sports all the time and I skated. So it's like, I started in that world of filming. Um, and I was the filmer for all my friends. Like I had some pretty good snowboarder friends that were like almost pro and I would make videos for them and you know, all that stuff. And from there I started getting to the end of high school and I was like, what do I do with my life? Like, I didn't see this as a viable career. It was just a thing I did. It was a hobby, you know, no different than playing video games. Like I had my parents camcorder at first and then I saved up all my money and bought a DVX 100, which was the jam. The A or the B? I think it was the B. Oh, that's the 24 Um, frame per second one, right? Or was it the A? It was the, nah, I think, I think you're right. I think it was the B was the 24 frames per second, but like that was the creme de la creme. That changed Uh, the game. It was a game changer. (laughs) I thought I was, I mean, I didn't, know any like famous directors i mean i did but you know i thought i was like steven spielberg's action sports back then when i had that bad boy um but anyway it was my sister who really pointed out the career path for me because she was like why don't you go to film school and i was like that's a thing uh and then i started looking into it and my goal was like all right she's right we're going to film school and when we're done with film school we're going to come back and we're going to make snowboard and skate videos that sell in all the shops because that seemed like a viable option at the time and then as I dove into school more and like I was into movies like I always watched movies like you know 
I was a 90s kid, Spielberg kid, you know, growing up with, you know, E.T. and Jaws and, I mean, you know, Indiana Jones and all that stuff. But then also, it wasn't until like the end of high school when I saw No Country for Old Men. And I don't think I really understood it, like, maturely. I don't think I grasped some of the concepts there. I just remember at the end being confused and going, I want to do that. I don't know what that is, (laughs) but that's what I want to do. Uh, and then I went to film school and it, then I got introduced to, you know, how to make commercials and movies. And then I was opened up to a whole new world and I kind of ditched action sports. And to this day, well, there was a small stint of uh, some film work after school in the surf world. But what's funny is like I completely pivoted and I would think that I would be doing some of that today in my work, but I don't. Um, then I moved to L.A., met you at Wood and Nickel, got a job there, told Brian uh, I'm going to work here for a year cause this is what I want to do. I want to work in the film industry and in film school, I always knew at some point, like I wanted to work in camera. Um, I don't think it wasn't until like the first year that I found out about a director of photography and a cinematographer being a job title. But then when I did, I was like, cool, that's what we're working towards. So I worked on anything camera or lighting wise. Um, and then once we were at wood and nickel, uh, what's funny is similar to like team gave you your opportunity. Like Dave Navarro was a gaffer that would come and pick oh, up orders from, uh, you know, wooden nickel all the time. And I didn't get fired, but I got demoted from being a rental agent out to just pulling, uh, orders. So again, <laughs> similar journeys here between Jerry and I, I was and, also a rental agent, but I got fired. <laughs> yeah. I got just demoted cause they told me I didn't have uh, attention to detail back then, which I thought was hilarious. Cause I was like, so I have to look at I remember the list. He, he said to me, he's like, I don't, he's like, you're going to be fine, but it's not going to be here anymore. Honestly, <laughs> and I when like, I look oh, back okay. at it, yeah. Brian was such like a formative person. He's so funny, yeah. but like, I just love that in a weird way, he like let me go from the front for not being attentive to detail. But then half my job pulling orders on the floor was being detail oriented, looking yeah. at lists and quantities and making sure I hit the numbers right, which is funny. And yeah. I kind of feel like that was on purpose. Uh, anyway, interesting. Dave came up to me and was like, Hey man, you're the only person out here. Who's always like busting your ass wanting to help. Like, what are you doing next weekend? I have a job and need an extra electric. And I was like, I'm in. And so yeah. I started, that's how we started is he offered me a job on set as an electric. And I went from there and then it got to a point where I started taking days, weeks off from Wood and Nickel. And, oh, I remember. Oh, yeah. And then Brian came to me and basically was like, I'm not going to fire you, <laughs> but when are you going to leave? Because like, you've hit your it year. It feels I, like you're leaving. I, yeah. Well, and I hit my year mark, too. Like I was, I was a man of my word. I told him I'd be here for a year, but this is what I want to do. So he understood, and I thought it was really cool of him. He could have totally let me go, and instead he was like, hey, you should. it's time for you to make the, the level up. Uh, yeah. So I put in my two weeks notice and then started doing grip and electric work with Dave working on, you know, ESPN sports science and like other like stage shows and commercials. And, you know, I was shooting my own stuff here and there, but then we started working on housewives together and then I moved into gaffing all of that. Yeah. And then I gaffed for like four or five years. And then 2017, I decided to make another leap of faith. And I was like, I'm going full-time as a director of photography. I told half of my work that I wasn't taking any more gaffing work to light the fire under my ass, and I kept another half as a safety in case it didn't work out. Uh, And then from there, 
It got to, now we're at like 2018, Ali and I, we were kind of burnt out of Los Angeles and we were like, well, we don't have kids. We don't have a house. If we're going to make a change, now's the time. And she always had wanted to move to New York and I always had thought about it. Um, And we had some friends there and I had worked there and then we just kind of said, screw it and picked a date. And then the end of 2018, we moved out to New York City and here we are. We've been out here for five years and honestly, my career, I feel like progressed better during that time, which is, it's such a weird time because we moved a year before the pandemic. So it was like this exciting first year and then just really tough two years because I hadn't really established myself yet at that point. Um, Anywho, what's funny is like out of that really tough time, I felt like there was so much growth, not only personally, which was the biggest one, but even, you know, career wise, uh, I just couldn't see it until I kind of got out of the fog these last two years. And now I look back and honestly, moving to New York has been one of the best things for me. Um, and yeah, that's kind of my journey. Now I'm a union cinematographer. I mostly shoot commercials and, you know, feature films and television. I'd love to dive in more into the scripted television world, but for now the main concentration is, you know, pay the bills, have fun and work on projects that I can really get behind, uh, and support. So like the features for me are my creative outlet. Uh, I mean, I love commercials too. There is something fun about turning something maybe, monotonous or not as exciting and making it look cool um aka the act of selling to others and uh yeah it's it's been an awesome career with a lot of ups and downs a lot of highs lots of lows so that's uh that's my backstory so nice part two so yeah i guess part of part of being an uh you know an artist and everything uh, kenny had to take a phone call for a job so it just Uh, happened i had to take a phone call and it ruined our concentration of where we were at Uh. we're on to some good (laughs) stuff but anyway that's who jerry and i are uh we have wild journeys and they've all led to different paths and yeah i think uh i think there's a lot there's uh, the other aspect of the two of us is you didn't go to film school and I did, which I think is pretty Oh, yeah. Um, what's odd, though, is uh, – and when we did this the first time around and it didn't record your side of it, we didn't talk about it. So we'll talk about it now because I think it's an interesting story is you went to Brooks Institute of Photography. Mm-hmm. Uh, my sophomore year of college, I looked – to transfer to book Brooks Institute of Photography. So if I had done that, we'd have met there, which I think is really weird. That um, is weird. And, I mean, either way, uh, the world brought us – together at yeah. nickel so it was kind of an but, but i remember yeah whenever you were like i was just like oh my god i, I looked at that school and the only reason i didn't transfer is because i already had a year of college uh, like a year and a half of college and i was like and none of it transferred to brooks because it was such a unique school and so i had it to was. like start i had to start over um and it just wasn't i was like i can't really afford to start over so uh but yeah no i didn't go to film school i have a broadcasting and advertising degree um and so basically my school uh, the University of Central Missouri in Warrensburg, Missouri, um, go Mules, uh, was uh, we uh, we had a broadcasting program that was pretty pretty robust. Um, so we had like the NPR affiliate uh, in the basement of our school. We had the PBS affiliate that recorded uh, some stuff out of our school. Like it was like broadcast out of the basement of like the broadcasting um, school. So uh, I was able to get like some TV and radio stuff. And like, so I was in show choir oh, in high cool. school. I sang and danced all through high school competitively. Uh, it was a long time ago, but, uh, and then, so I really liked music, but you know, once again, it's like, you're, I mean, I'm from the Midwest. I'm from a small town. Like I graduated from Ottawa, Kansas. There's, you know, 11,000 people and graduating class of like 120. So it's, you know, like being an artist is not a real 
I'll put it in quotes, uh, not a real legitimate path to be like to make a living. Uh, and so, but at least that's I got what to, you were told. Oh, that's what we're told. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, throughout the course of this podcast, we're going to realize there's like a thousand different things. Like you, I mean, you could have made a living just doing skate videos if you'd have went oh, down that path. You totally. could have made a living, you know, with your underwater cinematography. Like that's a huge, like that's a huge path that that can be done. And, and I think so, uh, to be vulnerable, like I've always sort of dealt with this in my career. It's it it depends on when it still comes up up here and there, but you know, sort of imposter syndrome, like that my job is fake, which is funny because it's not, I make good money doing it and I support myself and, yeah. uh, but there is this weird side where it's like, I feel like I'm playing make believe and pretend and like, it doesn't get taken seriously, but that's my own personal, uh, I guess judgment of myself. Like no one's ever been like, Oh, you're, you know, your silly fake job. But for some reason it just seems like we're playing, to myself and so i'm like do people take this serious like this is a legit career because it is but it's just like yeah i think it's part of how i think our our families like now that we've known each other long enough like our our family background like we're both like working families like blue collar jobs things like that like my dad was a mechanic yeah i don't um, come from money and and so yeah it was like um and and so like to be like i i want to i want to be an artist i'll put that in quotes too like because whatever that means to you um is like i want to make my living just creating and that's very hard because i don't i mean i don't know if brooks did it my school definitely didn't do it i know a lot of art schools that don't do it that there's not really a business of art like like that should be a minor that comes with every art degree so you know how to leverage this stuff and how to make money off of it and how to like actually because you can come out and be a really cool artist, but if you don't have any aspects of, um, you know, how to sell the art and all those kind of things, it's very difficult. And so yeah. I think that if you don't have that aspect of it, um, and some people don't because they just want to be artists. They want to, like, have another thing that's funneling their money. Like, you know, maybe sure. you have a full-time job and you're and an I, artist on the weekend. And that's also okay. Right, and I don't think that and, every artist should turn their art into a viable, you know, source of income. I don't think you have to. Some do, some yeah. don't. And I, there's full disclosure, I've made three feature films, made about $2,500. Uh, it's like, and I've spent lots more than that. So, sure. it's like, it, you know, you have to decide, like, are you going to go down the commerce avenue of it? Are you going to go down the art avenue of it? Are you going to try to hit right in the middle? And it's like, I'm going to make my art for myself. I'm going to make the commerce for other people. And that's kind of yeah. what I did. It was just like, I separated them completely. And it was like, okay, over here, I'm making my commercials. I'm doing all these things to make a living. This is my job. It's still in the film industry. And then over here, I'm taking that money. I'm setting, you know, however much percentage I decided what I could afford. And now I'm able to go over here and make my movie during the summer because I have this money that I was making really good off of this. But right. you, just, you have to decide, and we'll, we'll talk about that as we go along in the podcast, but um, of how you decide like what your differentiation of how much is for you and how much is for others. But I think you got to decide that. Um, and so, but yeah, I don't have a film school degree. Um, I didn't, like I said, like I didn't know I started as like advertising, realized I was going to be probably in a cubicle somewhere. Right. Like, my dad was a mechanic. Um, he brought it up one time. He's like, cause he realized I was a creative kid and, uh, like I like to design stuff and he's like, Oh, you could probably design cars. Like you have the background of how a car works. You have a background of all of this. Cause you know, I would work at my dad's shop in the summer. I would take, you know, transmissions apart and helping rebuild them and stuff. And, uh, and I was like, but I knew I didn't want to do that because it was very, very hard work. And I'm very grateful that my father did that for so long. Um, and I'm glad that I had those skills, but I realized that was a very, very hard way to make a living. Um, 
And and so he was like, oh, well, you could maybe design cars. And so I was like, all right, well, advertising, I could help sell them. Like I could make billboards, I could make ads. And then I realized most advertising, as I went through like a year of the program, was like, oh, the advertising world is not the one making the commercials. Nope. Like they're not the ones coming up. They're the ones coming up with it, but they're not making them. And I was like, oh, okay, I want, I want to make them. Like I want to be on that side. And so I was like, all right, what do I do? And my school, you know, I got a job in the library and I started filming stuff for the school and editing it. And then it was, yeah, I mean, it was, it was off to the races then. I was just like, man, once you put a camera in my hand and I was just like, I could show you how I saw the world. I was just like, oh, this is so cool. Like, yeah. I, I, like this is not this is not real. Um, and I think so that's I a computer and a camera. And yeah, and then it was just kind of off. Made a feature my senior year of college. Had to pitch it to all of our professors. That's incredible. Like for like our um, like because you had to either have a practicum or an internship. And where we lived, you know, we're probably like an hour from the biggest like metro where everybody got their internships at like a news station. Mm-hmm. And I was just like, ah, oh, man, like driving to work for free in Kansas City just didn't make any sense to me. Uh, and I knew I'd just be like cataloging crap at, you know, the news station. That would be my internship, just like grunt work. Right. So me and like four other students that we were all seniors, we pitched like the entire program. We said, we want to make a feature film. Uh, that's, that's our, going to be our practicum. And all the professors, except for one, Dr. Sneed, um, uh, Dr. Sneed was probably like 75. It sounds I, like I, a I movie don't know character. Do- Dr. Yeah, I don't Schneed. know if Dr. Yeah, I don't know if he's, uh, if, if he's still out there, but if you are, this was a very cool thing that you did for us. Um, that he was the one guy in the meeting that said it would be beneficial to us to let them fail doing this than to force them to do something that is just going to be nothing for what they want to do with their life. Like he said that, like, and I was just like, it's pretty awesome. Yeah, and it's just like he knew we were going to fail. <laughs> right, and fine. I think you I think you have to <laughs> fail like, in art. And that's the scariest yeah. part about it. Like, you know, in film school or wherever. Film. Uh, we made the film. It's 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 finished. It it got into a festival, which is uh, awesome. It's, for It's not good. It's probably like one of those movies that I'll let out kind of like, you know, Kubrick's past the glory after like 20 movies have come out and it's like, yeah, you can watch this one now. It's really bad. <laughs> sure, it's just like fun. Yeah. Um yeah, I mean, like, I think you have to explore and not be afraid. And, like, that's kind of something that I feel like I'm in this transition period now where, I don't know, as you gain experience in this industry or your craft, like, you know, like, we can go, kind of go back to what we started talking about at the beginning of the podcast, which is, like, the rules. It's, like, you learn the rules of what to do or not to do. And that doesn't necessarily mean you have to follow them all, but I think there becomes this subjective conversation between whoever is making the art and whoever's viewing the art of like, this is how it has to be. And it's different for each person. And so I think it's really easy to fall into that trap being the person creating it, whatever that is. Like I'll speak as a cinematographer creating the images where it's like, I would look at, I would compare myself to other cinematographers and I would like look at what they're doing and I'm like, Oh, that's what I have to do instead of like, like it has to look like that or it's not good, which isn't true. And anyway, like I just, I felt like I was grasping onto this thing too much where like I wasn't not taking risks, but I definitely, you know, I think and some of it came from lack of confidence. I was like afraid to make mistakes and blah, blah, but it's like, you have to make those mistakes. You have to like lean into it. And I think there's this mindset that like you're only good as your last project, which excuse my French is complete bullshit because that's like saying an athlete is 
good a hundred percent of the time or like their last game because they lost they suck now it's like no like tom brady's still good even if they lose and you're like there's this whole i think toxic mindset that it's really easy to get trapped into in the art world and in my opinion i fell into that trap and like right now i'm kind of trying to go backwards a little bit to like my younger self like the naivete of just being like hey let's go make a feature this weekend with your friends because you didn't know what that was when you're in high school and you just did it because like you didn't understand the risk the what it ignorance takes. is a powerful tool what's that, that right that, that, Orson, that orson wells quote or whatever there's nothing as powerful as ignorance <laughs> like absolutely you just feel like you feel like you can do anything and and you still can i think you like you're saying you gotta you gotta decide is this to make money is this for an expression of myself is this for me is it for somebody else like and you and and asking yourself those questions Absolutely. Um, like who, who's this really for right now? Some of it is for a specific person or a specific audience. Some of it is 100% for me. Like right. it's something I need to do um, to get something out of me or to like just talk about something. And I hope somebody else watches it and goes, "Oh, I also needed that." But but a lot of things that I've done are for me at a specific junction in my life. Right. Um, that I needed Which is to talk about incredible. something. Incredible. Uh, and I think more people should go into the deeper realm of yourself and like let some things out, like you said. But do like, you think they art. don't because the money aspect of it, or the you know, uh, like you were saying, like people like you're judging yourself against somebody else. I mean, I don't know how many times as a director I would be on set as a you know a gaffer, and maybe the director is just like there's no vision, there's no talking, there's no communicating. It's just like I could be doing this, right? Uh, and you're and you're like, but you don't want to. Like I don't want to be a commercial director. I wanted to only direct narrative. That's it. So right. like, why am I even comparing myself against somebody else? That doesn't make any sense. I um, think it's inevitable. I think it's part of the process is comparison. I think it's just how you deal with that comparison, which is important. Do you think um, it's because we were younger? That we compared ourselves or because... Yeah, like we just didn't know. Like we don't know where we're supposed to be yet. Like we don't know where we're going. Yeah. Um, it's just like you're trying to speed up the process. There's... Yeah, I think that I think you, you're nailing it on the head with all those topics. I think there's an aspect of this industry, unlike a doctor, a doctor in some way, shape or form has a clear cut path of like you go do this, you go, you graduate from here, you do this, you take this... Te- you know what I'm saying? Like yeah. there's a, a, a more defined line of how to get there. The film industry, you could be a PA tomorrow and you could be someone could give you an opportunity to be a production manager the next day and You'd be now, an executive producer in six months. And now like, you're leveling up. Yeah. Like I mean I'm not saying like and I'm not saying overnight success. That's another topic that I want to debunk because I think that's silly as well. But like yeah. I think there's different overnight. paths. Some people it happens faster, some people it happens slower. Yeah. You can go left, I can go right, and we could both end up at the same destination. But I think that's where it's easy to get caught up is you get lost in the destination. I think we I'm sure, all like, we, look. Oh, go ahead. Yeah. Oh, like, well, like for, for, for us, you know, like, you know, we, we were pretty much like the first couple of years we knew each other, we were hanging out all the time. Then our paths kind of separated a little bit. Right. Um, you went and traveled, like, like we said at the beginning of the episode, you went, we, we worked on the Real Housewives together. I was working on that as a gaffer. Um, I was kind of ready to phase out of it. 
you came on um, and then I kind of phased out. You stayed with it. And then mm-hmm. um, uh, we joked about this on the first one, but then you got to travel the world and yeah. uh, which was, which was awesome. But uh, which was, but there was times when I was just like, Oh my God, why did I do that? And you're like, Jerry, cause you didn't want to work on that show anymore. You didn't want right. to do that. And it's like, so you're right where you need to be. But I think sometimes it's really hard for us to go. We see what somebody else is doing and then go, uh, and it was like, I was never like, mad but i was just like oh my god it's like i could i have really traveled the world with that show and it's like would i have liked that i don't know you know right it just wasn't my path so you did that and then you know what it was six five years later six years later probably something like that yeah we uh you know i was i was directing commercials for new york life insurance like traveling up the east coast and we ended up in new york for like three days um and surprise, i just, surprise I, I, I put on insta yeah <laughs> i put on instagram i was just like i'm in new york for three days anybody here and never in my wildest dreams did i think kenny keeler was gonna write and be like i am and it was just like because we hadn't we hadn't really we hadn't yeah we hadn't seen each other in probably five years at least and like, not for talked. any like personal things we just went no, our own life paths as adults and yeah just we got back. busy in different things you were traveling the world i was i was local working on features and uh, yeah, and then we just kind of met up. We were just like, dude, why did we stop like talking? And and now it's you know that's why we're doing this podcast now. Totally. Like, and so, yeah, but it's, it's so funny. That's a good example, and that's a great example of it. What's so yeah, funny yeah. about that when I was when I messaged you on there, I hadn't lived here yet, so it's kind of no. Weird you were just like, visiting, right? You we were, were just looking visiting. For apartments, I think yeah. Something yeah, we were like visiting slash like still talking about it. And what's I think so it was funny, in your head that you were like, oh, we could live here. I remember oh, talking yeah. to. Absolutely. That was the first time I met Al. Like I did, like, I mean, it was just, but it was, it was crazy. I think how fast we just like, we're like, we're back up to speed. Like we never stopped talking. Same. And then got closer as we went on. Yeah. It was just like, and we just spent an afternoon. Like we walked around New York for like three or four hours. I think we got, well, we got a pizza. Uh, And then, yeah, then we, uh, you went and did something and I had to go back to like location scout for the next day of the commercials I was directing or whatever. But, uh, but yeah, it's like you just, but these paths, like you said, they just kind of go. And I think when we try to get in the way of whatever it needs to happen, if you just let it, I mean, kind of like making a film, if you just let the film be out whatever it needs to be, like after right. you've prepped it, then it gets better. It's not the same. It's going to be different, but sure. it just keeps getting better. And um, and so I think that that's, that's a tough thing for a 24 year old, a 25 year old, like, it's like, you just want it to go so fast. You're like, Oh my God, I'm wasting time. I'm wasting time. I got to go. And you know, now that I'm in my mid thirties, uh, still young, it's Absolutely. like you, you can't, you can't speed it up. And if you do speed it up, you know, like, like I, I tell this to students when they want to like bypass steps and I'm like, you can do it, but eventually you're, it's going to catch up. Yeah. And you missed six steps along the way of the 25 and then you're going to run into a roadblock and then you're going to have to come back that's just a different way of creating the same thing. Do it. I want you to see what happens when you do that. You might find something really, really cool that we didn't need step six. Like, but you might find out that we really needed step two, and that's why we, we were trying to do it. Sure. So you might have to come back. So it's like, it's like jumping upstairs at your apartment, right? Yeah. You can keep doing it. You can leap over three stairs at a time. Eventually, you're going to miss, though, because you're going to be tired, and you should have just taken a couple of those extra steps. Right. No, it's so, interesting. I mean, I think especially being young and there not being a clear path in the art world, it's really easy for us to fall in the trap of looking at others and they're yeah. where they're at and being like, that's what I'm supposed to do. How do I get there? But you, and then but it's you like, don't know what they had to do to get there. Correct. And like, I then, don't know what you gave up. I don't know what you sacrificed. I don't know if you had to step on somebody to get there. I just don't know your path. And so when you're living in that reality of like seeing the other person, 
um, and being like, I should be there. You just don't know what that journey was. Yeah. Maybe you could have been there and you decided you didn't want to take that turn. You didn't want to, you know, maybe it meant you had to take advantage of somebody. It's like there's so many different things and, mm-hmm. and we have to make all these choices as, as we go along and, um, and just be open to it. It's like it's going to be the journey is going to be what the journey is going to be. Um, but I think that's and, the thing is, I don't know, I can only speak for myself. To me, so quick little side story. When the pandemic hit, me and Allie had just moved to New York. Yeah. You know, things were great and then things got horrible. Like I didn't have a network here. So like I really wasn't working and finances got so tough. And I went through this real mental struggle, not only with myself, but just with my career of like kind of I felt lost. I didn't know who I was. Like, did I still want to do this? Could I still do this? How long can I live like this? Like, you know, I had all these questions and for at that time I was really comparing myself to others. I was holding on to the destination of like this level of commercial, this level of or the, like, you know, this budget of feature film or this type of feature film. And it's like, why don't I have that? Why did they get it? And I don't, cause I feel like I work hard. Like there's always more things we can do, but it's like, I'm not a lazy person. I put in the time I test, I, you know, I do all these things. And so I was like, how do I get there? And I didn't know how, but I knew I wanted it. And in a weird way, I grasped that so hard. And like also during this time, I started going to therapy, which was fantastic. But I just sort of realized like I had my mindset in the wrong place. Having destinations or I'll call them goals, whichever one, it's the same thing. Dreams, goals, destinations. To me, they're the same. Having those, I think, is healthy. There's nothing wrong with dreaming. Dream away and dream big. But don't hold on to the dreams too tightly because that's when I think you miss everything else and i've sort of realized that i need to find a way to enjoy the journey and not worry about the destination because i don't know if there is a destination as an artist Ooh, i really yeah, don't I because i think i, I mean just if there is then it's over you're not an artist like but you're then done. that yes i think you're always yeah. learning and exploring but i also think like just from experience of talking to people that are further along in their cinematography careers than me it's like when they get to that next step, like they want the same things that I want. It's just a different level. And it's like, does it ever mm. end? So I think what I've noticed is I've found a lot more joy in my career, my work lately when I just let go and I just started doing projects that I really enjoyed or with people I really enjoyed. And some are more creative, some are paychecks and that's okay. And I stopped beating myself up over you're not doing this, so it's crap. It's like, so what? I went and shot a doc series that taps into my you know, reality roots. Is it what I want to do for the rest of my life? No, I want to do mostly features and commercials, but that's okay. I've, had, I've met incredible people, you know, all these things. There's so many benefits of it, and like, that's part of the journey that you have to enjoy. And instead, I was like, so hard on myself. And I really think that's like, that's some of the biggest things I'm trying to do is I'm trying to go backwards. I have the experience now, but let's go back into that younger years of when you didn't like, you didn't care. And you were like, yeah, let's try this. Like, I think I, for a while I ran the safe route because I wanted so badly to be someone else that I wasn't. And instead of just being me of like, here's what I like, here's what I do. And now it's funny. I'm more down to take risks as a cinematographer in these days than I ever was. Because I tried so hard oh, to like sure. make myself something look like the cinematographer I thought I wanted to be instead of just be myself. So now I'm like, you know, we get into a situation and whatever on like some narrative stuff. I'll be like, well, let's just shoot it silhouette against the windows. They're like, you don't need to light it. I'm like, 
looks pretty cool to me and it works for the story and whatever, all these things where it's like before I think like, it's kind of like the Roger Deakins things. Like you, when he first started features, you know, he was like, all right, pull out the two six fifties. And someone's like, but sir, we have all these 18 Ks on the truck. And he's like, I don't need that. It's like, I think it's really easy to get caught up in like, you have to do this because that's what others do instead of doing you. And I think that's yeah, I mean, really the important. gas, right? Gear acquisition syndrome, which is what we were kind of mm-hmm. talking about at the beginning of, you know, like kind of a counter to that of just like, no, what do you have right now? And so like all of the features, you know, you know, Kenny, you shot the last one, but of the three features I've done, it's like they've all come from a limitation and they've all come from this like, you know, what do we have access to? How could we make it into that? And it's like, as an artist, I, you know, and like you were kind of talking about, I don't know. I'm sure if my first movie, somebody gave me a half a million dollars, I'd be a completely different filmmaker today. Sure. Um, but my first film, you know, the three of us that made it together, we had $20,000 and we said, okay, what do we have access to? It's like, okay, we have this lake house. Uh, okay. We could afford to take seven people on a plane to get there. Okay. This is the money we have. This is, this is what we have. These are the limitations. Can we do it like that? And then we started, you know, and then six months later we were filming it. It was like that fast when we just, when we, we stopped letting people tell us what we could or couldn't do. Um, and I think that that happens a lot. It's just like, well, you can't do it if you don't have this, you can't do it if you don't have this, you can't do it if you don't have this. And it's like, yeah, I just have to do it a little differently. Like maybe I have to prep for six more months to shave off two or three shooting days because I got to be very, very specific about what do I really need for these scenes. Right. And so like I was saying, you know, 35 days or so over three features and it's taken eight years. I just do a lot of prep because I don't have time. I don't have time. Like the, the, the expensive part is when you're actually filming and there's people standing around. It's like I have tons of time to sit in my office and brainstorm. You right. know, like, and I can just, and, and it's not like anybody's banging on my door going, when's your next movie coming out? It's like, I'm making this because I want to make it. And, and I think having the other side of the gear acquisition syndrome and just being like, okay, well, what happens if you actually spend another six months on that script, let more people read it, let your friends read it, and like, and definitely let people read it that you trust and, and, and of you course. know, that aren't going to hurt your feelings. And, um, and so, cause it is hard to get your, your stuff out there, but it's better now then when the movie's done and then you show it to your friends and go, oh, this doesn't make any sense. And you're like, why don't you get the people you trust to look at it now? Yeah. Like with Seize the Carp, with our last movie that we did, completely improvised. Super but experimental. What, we, we spent about six months prepping it and seven days shooting it. It was like, you know, and we did it in real time. The actors were always mic'd up. It was four of us. Well, five of us with, with uh, you know, Caleb being like filming all the behind the scenes and yeah. running to the car to get batteries for us. Thank you, Caleb. And yeah, basically so, like the super uh, AC gaffer yeah, yeah. everything. He, um, but he did all the behind the scenes, which eventually will, will, will come out of how we actually made the movie. But it was two actors, you and I. I did sound. Is the sound the best it could possibly be? Absolutely not. And same thank with the to, visuals. It's like, yeah, thank you to Ben for fixing a lot of it. We ADR'd it during the pandemic in this office. And so you just have to be like, we knew that there were going to be limitations to it, but we knew that the story was strong enough, like what we were going to try to talk about in the world, that it was going to be strong enough that even if there were some technical limitations, that was fine. Also, we spent $7,000 on it. Right. It's like we, we leaned into those limitations. And if you, can, if you can do that, not every artist can do that. But I realized my path just from the first feature was just like, oh, I like the limitations. I like right. not having everything that I should have, 
because and that's really why I was intrigued was the challenge yeah. of like this yeah. isn't yeah, the traditional like, way to do it and yeah. whatever if it comes out great awesome if it doesn't awesome like I think it was more the experience and just like again it, it, that was I think the first step into kind of tapping back into that like childlike self of like let's just go yeah. do stuff with friends and like get out of the the mindset of like we need Fisher 11s and we need techno cranes and we need all these lights and this it's like what if we just use natural light and what if we just went with our gut and shot it and sure we're gonna make mistakes and it one part might suck and the other part might be good it's like who cares like let's just do it and I, and I think at the end of the day whether we felt we had a good story or not we in like we believed in it and I think that's all that mattered who yeah can, and now and, it's out you can watch it for free. Like it was just like, I mean, you know, we'll, we'll talk about this at one point about the distribution. Um, yeah, but I realized the episode first, on that. Yeah. With the first two films, it just wasn't, it wasn't a functional option. Um, it's like, if you're making a $10,000 movie, figure out a way 10, 20, 30, even you're probably making a $50,000 movie and you and your friends and people that are involved in it are doing it. I would highly suggest you just trying to figure out how to do it to distribute it yourself. Um, you're not going to make any money with a distributor. We'll talk about that at some point. Um, but uh, yeah, it's just like now that it's out, it's like at least I can see exactly who's watching it. You right. know, like, uh, like I think there's a lot of times where it's like, okay, if this doesn't get a million views, it was worthless. It was pointless. Um, and like seize the carp has, you know, been online for a couple weeks now and that's it. Uh, the premiere video, when it went live, there was like 200 people watching it. I don't know 200 people. So it's like there are people watching this that I don't know. Now it's, you know, only had about 500 views, but I didn't send it to 500 people. Yeah, so which it's is like, cool. You it's know, living its, its like, own and, life, and, whether it's big or small. You know? Yeah, and I think, I think, but as artists, we just go because we're so, we're so wrapped up with like the social media and all of these things. And like that comes into the mental health thing of just like appearing against your other people. Um, and it's like, you know, yeah, maybe it has 10 million views, but maybe that person still hasn't made any money. Right. Maybe that person is, you know, like... Uh, it's like the views are great, but it hasn't turned into anything for us as artists. And so I think you have to just do your journey. Like stop challenging, like stop judging yourself against everybody else. Stop um, judging yourself and, from yourself. Yeah, and we're our worst yeah, critics. And, and, but. and it's just like, you're right where you're supposed to be. You can't be anywhere else. It's like right, we're right now. Uh, I even told Jane last night, I was like, I feel like I'm the most like present. I've been in a while of just like, this is, this is it. This is what I'm supposed to be doing. This is where I'm at. This is where the path has led me. Um, and so, which is and, huge. You're we, you're enjoying the journey. You're not. Worrying but I think about I'm also just maturing a little bit. Yeah, I'm, I think I'm, it's a combo. I'm, I agree. Yeah. Um, and it's just like, and I also just went, okay. To be fair, all of these movies I made, we never talked about how much money it was going to make on the back end. So of course, it's not making any money. But that wasn't the game plan. The right. plan was I needed to make these movies. You wanted That's to tell a story. I, to I just wanted, wanted to tell to a story. Um, I wanted people to watch it. That was the goal. People are watching it, and I have control over it now. It's it's all in my hands now, um, and so I can see who's watching it. I can see where it's being put up. I can see where all these things are. The transparency is there, which it's not with a distributor or an aggregator. Um, you really don't know what's going on, and I think that those those aspects just have to be. You have to decide what is your definition of success. And so, which is huge. Like, like let me ask you huge. this. Like, I, I think, I mean, that's a massive question. Cause I think that, I don't know, just in my own experience, I think that changes as you go. 
Like again, my first oh, definition sure. of success was hitting those like, oh, you shoot these type of movies and this. I need to be working on Paramount's lot, being right. a studio That's gone director. Now, now my That's definition what, yeah. of success is having fun and working with people that I enjoy, being able to support yeah. myself and be comfortable, and working on projects that you know, if hopefully some of them have a message I can get behind or just projects that are fun creatively or challenging. And like, that's it. Do I have other yeah. benchmarks that I would love to get to? Sure. But I, I'm not going to let that take over. Cause I, I think I've already done that. Um, but one thing, I don't think you have this problem, but I think it's a big thing with art. Um, I feel like you've always been gung ho about releasing your work, which is huge mm-hmm. because I think, even for myself, there's been times and I think other artists can relate. Like it's scary to put your work out there, especially because sometimes work is so vulnerable. And again, it kind of jumps back into like the toxic side of the social media aspect. Cause that's usually where, you know, artists are releasing and promoting their work. But, um, I'm just curious, like for you, what, like, did you have fears releasing them? Did you care what other people thought? Or cause like for myself, there's even sometimes like I have photography that I'm like, I think this is cool, but what if it's dumb? And it's like, no, just put your work out there. Like, like yeah, I, I think, think that's that a big the... thing. It's like, stop. Like you said earlier, like stop worrying yeah. about what everyone else thinks. It's like, you're making this art for you. Sure. It's for others too, but you should be first and whether you're I... getting paid for it or not. Yeah, I think I've realized now, you know, doing this the past, what, I mean, it's been 15 years now of doing just movies. Um, like, basically, like, I was fortunate, right out of college, I got a first AC job on a movie that was shooting locally. And, um, and so, and then I came out to LA, and then, like, I've only had, I guess, a, uh, well, now I have a, a full-time teaching job, but that's still in my field, which is great. Like, now I'm teaching kids how to make movies. And so, um, but I re- so, but basically to, without sidetracking to that, um, to answer your question, no, I haven't really, I'd like to say that I, I've never cared what people think about it, but I know that's probably not true. Um, Fair. but it was probably when I was younger of just being like, cause I think like you were going back to your, what you said about like, you're only as good as the last thing. So if you put something, which up I think that is, is bullshit, if you, <laughs> sorry, you know, I just want to make you, sure um, if you put it up and it's not, you know, how to word this basically if you put something up that is not your best work but it's still like an experiment and it's something you were trying so like i've started doing a lot more experimental films like throughout the pandemic because it was something i could do by myself during the pandemic and i realized i loved it because it was like i could i could try a limitation in a camera i could try a limitation of like can i for three minutes hold this level of tension you know like can i do like and so, and it's like, cause I'm going to use that stuff in the features. Like, can I, can you hold it for that long and make somebody that uncomfortable for three minutes? It's hard. And so, but you could do it by yourself cause it can just be abstract thought. And so I realized that uh, like, since I had a full-time job, like I had teaching, it was like, okay, if I put this up and nobody likes it or somebody says you suck, it's not gonna hurt my feelings cause I still have a job. It's like, of it's course. not going to ruin, it's not going to ruin my next job. You on the other hand, correct me if I'm wrong, but if you put up an experiment and it's not your best work, somebody could look at that while they're looking at all your work and go, Oh, well, what is this? Exactly. And I fear and it, that maybe I'm not good yeah. enough. I mean, this, yeah, these are my own personal battles, which I'm fine yeah. to be open about, but that is a thing. I, like, it's scary. And I wish there was more opportunities that we could just go, okay, like, yes, this is my work I want you to look at. This is me at my best. This is what I say is my best work, okay? But these are the things that I'm trying, 
I'm trying to get better at. Yeah. And if you're not trying to get better at something else, then you're going to get stagnant. And it's like, yes, I can perfectly expose. I can perfectly light. I can, you know, light this to a two-one ratio of contrast and blah 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 blah. But it's like, but I really want to try something else over here, and I got to film that to see if it even works. And then ideally, I'd love for you to see it. I'd love to put it up so you can see this is what it looks like. Yeah. It looks bad. I want you to know that it looks bad so you can see what it is. But you also might go, oh, but what if they tried this? And then somebody else tries it a little bit different. And now we're actually moving the needle forward as opposed to just like the same thing over and over and over again. And I'm sure you see that with, I mean, I see it with directors. It's like you see it with directors that have been making movies for 40 or 50 years. Sometimes they just get stuck in a rut and they go, okay, I know, but they're also getting $50 million to make a movie. They can't really experiment as much. And you're like, I would love to see, you know, I'm very excited about Oppenheimer, but I would love to see what Christopher Nolan would do with $50,000 to make a feature like he did with the following when his first movie. Like right. what happens if you take all that stuff away? He's learned so much. Like now to go back to that budget, it'd probably be incredible because he'd be so much more understanding of what, how the art works. But I think we need to make a, a space available for artists to be able to experiment and fail where it doesn't ruin their career. And it's okay. And I don't think it ruined, <laughs> yeah. like to be it wouldn't honest, ruin their it's career, probably but... like a lot of us are probably overthinking it in the sense it's like, yeah. and I mean this with the utmost respect, like everyone's important, but when I see someone else's work and maybe subjectively, you know, I'm like, Oh, that's interesting. I never have thought like, Oh, that person shouldn't be a cinematographer or a photographer. Or no, a not at all. But I it's think it's not in my your style. Head. But yeah, that's how I think a, about my yeah. shit that I maybe yeah. like, which is funny because I, I don't know. I'm getting to a point now but I want to keep like, I think this is always going to be growing in me, but it's like, I want to get to a point. I always tell my therapist, I'm like, I want to get to a point where like I can let go a little bit and it doesn't mean I don't care. It just means I don't let things affect me or make me have reactions for it. Like, yeah, I shoot all sorts of random photography and weird things and tests and all this. And like some of it I think is cool, even if it's not like the most pretty image. But then again, that gets us in another conversation of like, who says visuals, whether it's photography, painting or cinematography is supposed to be pretty or perfect. Yeah. So I I think it's like, that's what's fun. Teaching. Yeah. With teaching, I learned that almost immediately. Um, that I, I, I stopped showing as many examples to like beginner artists because I realized they were trying to make the same thing. They mm-hmm. were just like trying to parrot it. Um, and so, because that's their uh, fear of failing as they see yeah, the their other fear artists, of failing of just, of just being we like, well, mine, mine doesn't look like that. I'm like, yeah, cause that's Ansel Adams. Yours is never going to look like that. Right. And you're, you know, you it's know like, you're Billy. That's why, <laughs> yeah, and, yeah, you know. yeah, you're, you're an eighth grader. Uh, so <laughs> we're going to work up to that, but not even that. Chance, you yeah. what your creativity but is your different. story is different and so exactly. like so i try to get them to lean into it um and whenever they share their work basically the way we talk about it is not like is it good is it bad we go you know what were you trying so like you know like what were you trying to communicate were you trying to make somebody happy were you trying to make them sad uh what did you really want them to look at like we can work with all these things so if you right. show me a photograph and you're like i want you to look at this and then, you know, we asked the audience, like the, the, the other artists, we go, what was the first thing you looked at? And they're like, we looked at the tree. We looked at this. And it's like, okay, you got 50% of the people in the room to look where you wanted them to look. Hey, that's pretty good. Mm-hmm. That's pretty good for your first, for your first class. That's, that's great. Cool. Okay. But why didn't they look there? Okay. There was no depth of field. There was no contrast. There was no nothing. So they didn't know what they were actually looking at. Okay. That's something we can work with. If I, as a teacher go, okay, this is terrible because of this, this, and this. 
they're never going to do anything ever again. No. And I think there are a lot of things that have happened in our lives where people have told us, you can't do that, you can't do that, you can't do that. Uh, nobody wants to see that. Um, and it's like, well, somebody does. They just haven't seen it yet. So try it. If There's it an audience out there for everyone. For everyone. But if in not, my opinion. not necessarily a big audience, it might be 500 people. Could be That's niche. still a lot of people. And so, but you have to decide what your success is. And so, and I tell students that all the time. I'm like, uh, before we even get started with this class, what will be success to you over the next semester? Is it just getting an A? Is it, uh, you know, growing this part of your art? Is it learning this something about yourself? Like what will define your success? If it's just to get an A, that's going to be pretty easy. You're just going to do whatever it takes to get that, which is, you know, in my class, I'm not grading you on how good the pictures are. We're grading you on storytelling and we're, we're about like, you know, the goals that you set, things like that. Um, but, but I did realize when I started talking to adults that had had photography classes and film classes in high school, they were just like, oh, I wish that there was more about the storytelling. It was just like I had to have perfect exposure. I had to have a histogram that looked like this. I had to have proper contrast. I had to have this. And it's like, and if I didn't, it was just a bad picture. Uh, and I was like, ugh. And that's why we just, like, that's why we've gotten kind of stale. It's like not every artist is going to come out and make a profit from their work. And no. some of them don't even care if they make a profit from the work. I don't care if my work ever makes any money. Mm-hmm. I know that's a terrible business model. <laughs> I but know. That's okay. But I've, all, but I've had to figure out other things along the way. And thankfully, I, I stumbled into the teaching, and now I'm starting a new program in a, at, a, at a high school in, in L.A. that doesn't have one. And so, like, these things are, these opportunities are opening themselves that I never would have, you know, just like Seize the Carp, I would have never wrote a carnival into that script. Right. But whenever it opened its opportunity, we I'd, took be, it. I'd be really hard-passed to not open the door and walk through and see what happens. Um, and so, it's like, I, you just, like, you have to be open to it. Um, yeah, and, and yeah. I think that's and what half telling this podcast you, is going to be, is being open to what it becomes. Like, Yeah, and if somebody tells you you can't do it, it's probably because they're scared. Uh, it's, not, it's nothing about you. It's like I've, always, I've realized that as I've gotten older. Like the people that have told yeah. me I can't do this, I can't do this, it's like, no, you can't do this. So well, and even me, if, I, if I yourself tells you, can I do this? I think that's when you should lean into it and do it. And that's just from what I've learned recently about myself. It's like, when I get a little scared or a little nervous, that's that's the push you want to lean into. And whether that is nervous because you've never done something like this before or whether it's nervous because it's edgy or maybe as a writer, it's really vulnerable and personal. So, And those are the things I think you should lean into because like, if you feel it's important and you feel it's personal or awesome or whatever – there's granted there's going to be someone out there who also agrees with you they might just be too afraid to talk about it but you did and now that person feels seen or they don't feel alone or there's so many ways your art can affect you and honestly like i mean this is in my opinion i feel like we're we are getting to like the hour plus mark like this is a great example of like what our podcast is going to be like i think jerry and i's goal obviously what we're speaking on is our own opinions and I think at the end of the day, if this podcast makes you think and makes you question and you have good conversation with friends, then job well done. And I think being open to the process of your work and like this podcast, I mean, I know we have ideas, but I think we're both at this point where we're open to this art form of like, let's see what happens. Let's talk and let's see where we get into ourselves and let's see what we get into with guests. Yeah, Uh, I think if we get one more artist to go, oh, I can do it. 
Yeah, like just, I could, I could do, I could do that. And you're like, and just get out of your own way. That would be success to me. Like it's just same. getting more artists to try. Um, Cause I've realized that's uh that's something with teaching that to watch somebody succeed at something they thought they were going to fail at is one of the most rewarding things I've ever seen in my life. Um, like uh, uh, yeah, I kids imagine. or adults, like I teach darkroom classes to adults too. And like, just to see their print come to life whenever they drop it in the developer and they're just like a picture shows up and you're like, Oh, I can, I can do this. It's like, yeah, yeah it's not that hard. We make it really hard. We add more people, we add more stuff, we add more things. If you want to do it, you can do it with four people in a van. We did it. You have to just be open to that film is not going to be Oppenheimer. That film is not right. going to be a Steven Spielberg movie, but we need those kind of films also in 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 the lexicon of, of of art i mean the world needs your art yeah all shapes I'm, I'm, and forms I'm, yeah uh you know uh, uh like like the the skinnamarinks or the innocents and stuff like that it's like the we need this kind of work where it's just like it's pushing what is a film yeah like what what are we talking about like why are we making it and it's like those are we have a lot of artists that are making stuff for them and then somebody else sees it and they go oh that is really cool like you know and usually if you can go oh i could do that I could do my story, then that's like we're 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 pushing it on to the next generation. And, mm-hmm. um, but I and but just I think it opening takes... up this world of like I think there's a lot of aspects about art, whether it's film or anything else, that like people are afraid to talk about. And I think it's I don't know for me I'm tired of it. Like I'm ready to be vulnerable Agreed. and break break down these stereotypes and like the toxic mindset of some of these industries. And it's like, no, let's be open. Let's be upfront. I'll tell you my journey and I don't really care. And some people will get mad and some people, whatever, but it's kind of the same way about releasing your art. It's like, let's make this an open dialogue to, like you said, for the next generation to make artists better for themselves. And so we have more art in this world. Cause I'll be honest, every single person listening, you all consume art. Every day you watch TV, that's someone's art. Every Instagram post, that's someone's art. Every article you read or blog post, that's someone's art. That We're nonstop consuming art right now. And we need artists of all level, big, small. And I think that's where, we, yeah, the journey begins here. I think that's a good place to, to end the, the intro. Yeah. So uh, thanks for listening. Uh, and uh, yeah, we'll have more episodes coming very, very soon. Next yeah, week. stay tuned. There's going to be a lot of good stuff and hopefully a lot of awesome guests. But thank you guys. And we'll talk to you later. Bye.